Our job is to be the support system, that extra set of eyes and ears in the home so that your other physicians can be successful. You can live as long as you can and as well as you can. Welcome to Transcending Home Care. Stan Massey of Transcend Strategy Group holds vital discussions with other experts on insights and ideas to help providers succeed in the ever-changing landscape of home-based health care. For more than 18 years now, Stan has helped providers of senior care and home-based care build their brands to increase referrals, admissions, staff retention, and performance scores. This episode features a conversation with special guest Annette Collier, MD and Medical Director of Sincera Palliative Care. Dr. Collier and Stan Massey discuss her approach to helping physicians, patients, and families better understand and embrace the advantages palliative care can provide at any stage of serious illness. Dr. Collier, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about palliative care and ways to increase the use of this really helpful specialty. You're welcome. I'm happy to be with you. In general, what have you seen as the attitude toward palliative care from your physician peers? And does that perception seem to be changing at all over the past few years? So that's definitely a question that is on our minds all the time, Stan. In my experience, when physicians have actually had a patient on palliative care and have witnessed firsthand what we can do for their patients, that by far increases their understanding more than lecturing or you know attending a a conference on palliative care because believe me I've been you know making the rounds on the area hospitals and learners and talking about palliative care and the definition but that really falls flat in my mind it's when we share a patient together they see how we have helped what we focus on and when their patients come back and express gratitude and how how the service has impacted them. I think that's what really increases understanding. You ask if it's changing, and I'm optimistic. I think it is. I think students and, and residents are getting more of an exposure to palliative care, especially here in Toledo. The medical students have a rotation, and you know we have a, a little bit of a presence in the hospitals where they round. So. I think the curriculum, too, is, is focusing more on humanistic qualities than it did a couple decades ago when I, when I was training. Well, that is encouraging, especially that the younger generation of physicians is starting to learn more about palliative care. Studies from the Center to Advance Palliative Care and others have actually shown that there's confusion among families and physicians mm-hmm. about separating palliative care from hospice care. Have you experienced that, and how do you help people understand and embrace the difference? That is a probably the number one hurdle. I practice a lot in the hospital setting, and in one of the most frequent responses we get when we might be notified of a patient or suggest that this certain patient could use palliative care, the response is, not yet. They're not ready for palliative care yet. Well, to me, that indicates that they're feeling palliative care is the same as end-of-life care, that they're not ready to transition off of their curative treatment and onto comfort care. So 
you know, one by one, we try to educate them and, you know, that we're not going to talk with them about stopping treatment. We're not going to discourage them from life-sustaining treatments. And many times those case-by-case experiences, then the physician is a little bit more willing the next time around to have us see them upstream. In our practice, I've probably seen the biggest growth in acceptance and moving the bar forward you know, earlier in disease in our oncology colleagues. And that's, you know, that's my experience here, here in our practice, that they're seeing the benefit. They're, they're consulting us within the first month or two of, of a diagnosis, which is, which is amazing. That really is amazing. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Have you found a way or a, a technique or just even messaging to talk to your fellow physicians to help them better understand the benefits of palliative care and make referrals, especially early as appropriate? Our approach is, you know, always going back to the definition that, you know, we're not end of life care. And when it's a particular patient, I try to bring up the specific goal that our team will have. I guess I'm trying to I think of a, a recent patient that we had in the, the hospital who's a cardiac patient, actually, and had many very pressing medical issues, decisions whether to do advanced cardiac interventions, decisions to address their bleeding problem, we were asked to see them by um, the admitting physician. And the first thing that we saw, that I saw, was a gentleman who was overwhelmed, afraid that he was dying, knew that he was very sick and likely would not um, live long. But that wasn't being addressed by the cardiologist. And so I, I reached out and made a personal appeal to the to the physician in charge that, you know, yes, we're supporting all of these things as far as advanced therapies, but allow me to see your patient in the community. Allow me to address and I, the me is a collective me, not me personally, but my team his suffering, his emotional, spiritual, you know, getting ready for, you know, being disabled by this disease. And, and that opened the door a little bit. And, and this was a physician that we hadn't worked with before. So I guess it's isolating or identifying a specific need sometimes that, that can be addressed instead of, you know, this big fluffy palliative care term that they don't understand be exactly what we're going to address. Well, that sounds like a very sensible approach. You mentioned earlier about doing rounds in hospitals. And what have you found to be opportunities for palliative care as additional support inside a hospital or skilled nursing facility or, or other facility? Yeah, well, I'll think of those kind of separately because um, our experience has been quite different. In the hospital, and the hospital where we practice now, we've been there about seven years. And, you know, it's taken kind of, it took several years for us to be identified not as the hospice team. So 
now I think the staff there gets what we do and the majority of our work there is being called in when a family or a patient is faced with a difficult decision. You know, are we going to continue life support? Are we going to continue trying to pursue more cancer treatment? So having those difficult conversations which involve speaking about prognosis, you know, encouraging everybody to really inform and educate the patient on their prognosis and getting the options on the table about, because I think we don't always give that option. I, I realize informed consent is is a real thing, but too often I, I don't think we give the option of comfort and not pursuing um, aggressive care and what that would look like. Meaning if you choose this, we are not going to abandon you we, we are still going to work really, really hard to make you, allow you to feel as good as you can and give you quality of life. So in the hospital setting, I, I, we, we facilitate those types of discussions that are difficult for most physicians. I think the other role that we have in the hospital is the support to the, the nursing staff, who, especially in the intensive care setting, um, the RN that I work with, who is is so skilled at having conversations surrounding palliative care and end of life with, with patients and their families, also knows how to support an ICU nurse who's been at bedside for 12 hours. But I think that's a real important role in the hospital, is supporting the, the caregivers being part of that team. So the the Skilled nursing facilities or the extended care facilities, I have to pause because it's it has changed so much in the COVID, but in the, the pre-COVID world, and I hope what we get back to is when we are able to be part of the extended care facility team, the same issues that we deal with in the community and the hospital, probably more focused there on symptoms, a lot of patients and in care facilities uh, have unrecognized or unaddressed pain. Just because you're, you're 90 and in bed, you know, we, we don't accept the fact that you have to be, you know, that you're painful um, and other symptoms. And sometimes the, the patients there are also making decisions about end of life. You know, do I wanna go back to the hospital next time I get pneumonia? or next time my heart failure flares, do I just you know, wanna stay here? Is, is that gonna be time to hospice? So preparing the family and the, the patient to make those decisions for medical situations are likely gonna be down the road. I appreciate you explaining the difference, uh, especially between the support at a hospital and a skilled nursing facility. You mentioned in your comments about having those difficult conversations with patients and families. What are other ways that you help explain the benefits of palliative care and remove the fear so that patients and families will receive care at home and really enhance their quality of life? How do you help them understand that? Some things that I, we use to communicate to patients and family, one, depending on the relationship with the referring physician, and if the patient and family are un, a little unsure about us, I use the, 
you know, your doctor, your oncologist, your cardiologist, your primary care physician called us and wants us to be part of the team and then go on to say that our role in your care is to be the big picture people. Our focus is helping you to feel as well as you can in the context of this serious illness, whether that's pain, nausea, depression, anxiety, shortness of breath. Uh, we're going to focus on helping you feel as well as you can, get the services in the home, you know, if you need a walker, if you need a bed, and we're going to help support your caregivers because that's going to help you feel as well as you can. We're going to be that support system. Your other doctors are working on treating your disease. They're going to be adjusting your medicines um, for your heart failure. They're going to be giving your chemotherapy. Our job is to be the support system, um, that extra set of eyes and ears in the home, if that's where you're living, so that, so that your other physicians can be successful. You can live as long as you can and as well as you can. That sounds like a really great approach to help families understand the, the benefits of palliative care. What do you think are the greatest remaining barriers to acceptance of palliative care and using it more frequently? I have a feeling that it's a cultural issue that our medical system and, and culturally we're, we're focused on all the amazing advances that medicine has made and we've left behind little bit of the whole person approach. So when palliative care is discussed and, and we're talking about, you know, whole person and suffering and we're trained to offer the next new treatment, the next new therapy. And many times talking about death is, is giving up. I mean, you see it in obituaries, you see it, I'm not giving up, but you know, losing the battle and that it's something that we as a culture don't embrace the importance of those last weeks and months can be and should be as precious as the first weeks and months of life. And if we don't recognize that death is approaching or that a serious illness may lead or bring us closer to, to death, then we don't, we don't want to talk about it. How true that is. For a long time, the whole healthcare system has talked about value-based care. And palliative care has a clear role in being able to provide quality care at a, a cost, frankly, that is far lower than hospitalizations and emergency room visits and ICU stays. So if, if you had a crystal ball, what do you see as the future of palliative care? And besides the cost factor, what are some of the other factors that are going to spark the greatest changes for applying palliative care more regularly? To address the, the cost benefit, um, the value-based benefits of palliative care, I think the hospitals see that now. And at least where I practice most of all, the chief medical officer, is really trying to get our involvement. He's been one of the, the leaders in trying to get consults earlier in the course of a hospitalization because they know the two things. It drives saving money, you know, avoiding 
unwanted and unnecessary testing. And by that, I mean, we don't talk people out of testing. It's many times when you have a conversation, a heart to heart with the patient and family about what is most important to them, we realize that they really don't want all that expensive tests. So by that, by just clarifying what they want, we are saving the system money. And of course, more important to us, we're saving the patient a lot of suffering. And the second thing it, it impacts is satisfaction. And hospitals care about their satisfaction ratings. If a family member feels that they have been had input, have been kept in the loop, have been made part of decision making, they are going to feel like their loved one got better care and are going to be a more satisfied customer. I think those two situations are really driving hospital palliative care. And it's the the C-suite, as they say, see these benefits. And I see it increasing over the next years that there are going to be more hospitals working. How do we integrate? How do we encourage all physicians to get palliative care early on? You know, at, at, at our hospital, we're added at the option to all admission orders so that it's it's an option right there in front of them. That makes perfect sense. And it perfectly answers the first part of my question. Sorry for the multiple choice okay. question earlier. Uh, my, my, my other question was, are there any other factors that you see influencing palliative care? One that I see as a possibility, for example, is just this greater use of managed care, Medicare Advantage mm-hmm. and other managed care plans mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're going to encourage and reimburse for palliative care Uh, What are your thoughts on that or any other factors that you think will speed the acceptance of palliative care as part of the routine way to care for patients? I think there are going to be programs that encourage or improve better care as patients um, enter the phase of serious illness. And, And CMS is looking at programs that identify patients who may be at risk, maybe not hospice appropriate, but They've been in the hospital a lot. They've been, they're identified as seriously ill with limited prognosis and may not have adequate health resources. And they're looking at programs where that set of patients will be assigned to a group of clinicians and palliative care programs are identified as programs that are already set up to offer care to seriously ill patients and are already set up as being interdisciplinary, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians, social worker. And these programs are then coming to palliative care services or programs and saying, you know, hey, can we partner with you to deliver this kind of care for this section of patients? And I'm not sure if it's going to be called palliative care. It's probably not going to be, but that's what it's going to be. (laughs) It's it's going to be interdisciplinary um, care for seriously ill patients and trying to navigate with those patients either towards end-of-life care or towards a more stable, ongoing primary care setting. So I know those programs are being developed, and hopefully one is maybe even going to be, be rolled out in 2021. And again, that's that's palliative care, even if it might have a different name like serious illness, or, but we are 
really utilizing the palliative care team skills. That's great. And we, we really don't care what they call it, right? As long as they use it. Right. You know, a, a great um, palliative care physician at MD Anderson once told me that when I was hung up on, oh, I got to call it palliative care. And he goes, no, no. And that, you know, just so they let us in the door. We don't care what you call it. Just, just so they let us in the door. Yeah. In fact, I'm quite sure that MD Anderson calls it supportive care, just as your organization yeah. does, which is <laughs> yeah. whatever it takes to help people understand. Right. Are there any other aspects of palliative care you think are important to discuss that we haven't already talked about? Oh, I think if if you feel that we've covered the information, Stan, that's helpful to your audience. Yes, I, I certainly have. I, I just want to thank you again, Dr. Collier, for sharing your experience and insights with us uh, regarding palliative care. And we wish you and your team all the best as you continue to improve comfort and quality of life for patients and families with this very important specialty. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Watch for future episodes of Transcending Home Care on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. For more content, visit transcend-strategy.com.